0: listening to a message by Refuge Community Church. Refuge exists to glorify God by making disciples that shake their communities with the love of Jesus. Hey, good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. Oh my gosh, that was so much better. Okay. Uh, hey, if you don't know me, my name is Josh. Uh, I serve as the lead pastor here at Refuge. Thank you for joining us this morning uh, and welcome to our first ever Vision Sunday. That's a good thing. Yeah, okay, that was Look, we're going to give that one a mulligan or two, okay? So here's the thing. What today is going to be about, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set this tempo, I'm going to set this context, and then we're going to go back, we're going to say that again, is today is going to be the first time as a church plant we've explored where we're going in the future. And so this is a pretty solid and beautiful day. Now, here's the thing. You will, whether you are like consider refuge home or whether you don't consider refuge home, uh, whether you're visiting, whatever, you're going to get something out of today. But today's an important day for us as a church and us as believers and what we believe God is doing in this part of uh, the city, in this community. And so I want us to be excited about this in a lot of ways because I believe that uh, during this time, we're gonna set pace for where we're going, but in addition to that, we're still gonna speak like God's Word in these moments. And maybe you don't track with what I'm saying this. So let me break it down a little bit more. We're gonna open a Bible. And we're going to talk about the words that are on this page. And as we talk about the words that are on this page, I fundamentally believe, and I want you to fundamentally believe, that these words are not just going to sit there like static words in a book like, like Anne Frank or something, as good as Anne Frank might be, but that these words are alive and powered by God. And as a result, when we read them and when we engage them, and when we explore them, when we try to apply them, God, through them, begins to do something in our lives so that what happens in this meeting, in this school with all, you know, them weird things that create the back wall and like the half white, half blue walls and like two of these lights, three of these lights don't work. And even in this environment right here, God would meet you and he could change you. And what happens right here in like the next 30 to 35 minutes could change the trajectory of your life for eternity. Do you get what I'm saying with that? Does that make sense to you? And so I'm gonna say again, oh, this is our first Vision Sunday and then I want you to just give a good clap. Does that make sense? Is it, all, is it all coming together? All right. So welcome, because today is our first Vision Sunday. Oh, there it was. All right. Good job. Uh, hey, well, today, as I mentioned, what we're going to do is we're going to uh, work through the idea of vision and, and what that means for us. But also, I want us to take some time today to explore what that idea means for you. A- and I feel the need to start here before we, we jump into our text today today. Um, Because a lot of us, we hear the word vision, and and not all of us are going to be on the same page with what that means today. Uh, So for some of us, we came from like a... Maybe a charismatic background or like a Pentecostal background, and so you see the word vision, and you kind of automatically have uh, these ideas of someone having like a vision of the future, and they're gonna share it with you, and you're gonna get wrecked, and that's like a vision, right, for your life, like. And so for some of us who grew up in a charismatic background, we have come to vision Sundays, and then someone's like up here ready to do like like a prophecy and healing that Sunday. That's not gonna be what happens today. And so if you came expecting that, I'm sorry. Uh, but in addition, there's others of us that, that <coughs> uh, attach like uh, maybe a different tone to the word vision, right? Maybe, maybe we see it as a, a type of um, visionary leadership. And so the type of leadership that sees what isn't and then sees what can be and then tries to find the in-between solution to those two points, right? We are where we are. Maybe we have some struggles where we are, but we want to get where we're going and we have a vision for where we're going. And now we're going to rally the troops and we're going to figure out a plan. And through that, we're going to forge a new future. There will be some of that today, but that's also not quite what we're saying. You see, vision in the scriptures is less so visionary leadership for what's happening in the future. Occasionally vision may be a vision of something, but, but again, In the scriptures, we're going to highlight a a little bit of a different definition. The vision that we're talking about today is the type of vision that rests quite comfortably in the hope of what God has done in the person of Christ. What do I mean by that? I, I mean that there is a vision of life that we are invited into through the work of Jesus that fills us with confidence. Again, not based on kind of just ideas that may be not solid, right, that maybe uh, what's, what's maybe the, the best word, not promising, not certain, uncertain, right, that, that type of, of vision, that type of hope, right, that uh, similarly to, oh, man, I got two, two guys in here that are going to be hurting today with, after this analogy, but you know what, it, it is what it is. Uh, as an example, in Premier League soccer, uh, there is a team called Chelsea, and Chelsea has had a very successful run of games. Uh, But here's the thing, today Chelsea got absolutely annihilated, uh, 3-0, now all 'all y'all listening to me like, where's this guy going? Here's the thing, for fans of Chelsea, there's this sense where you're like, I think we're still going to finish high on the table, I think we're still going to finish high in the standings, but based on that game today, I'm not sure there's any reason for you to feel that way, (laughs) but there's a hope connected to that idea. There's just this kind of weird thing that goes, you know what, I don't see the path forward, but I really think we can get there, and I believe that it's gonna happen. And so I invest all this hope and all this idea, and I say, no, I'm absolutely kind of, kind of feel like this is our destination, and we'll get there. And oftentimes, the vision we have for our life looks a little bit like that, right? We have this idea of where we wanna go and who we wanna be, but the substance of it, how we're gonna get there, what we're gonna do, what's required, oftentimes, isn't there. That likewise is not the vision that we're talking about today. The vision we're talking about today is a vision that is deeply rooted in the work of Jesus, that understands we are invited to form a vision of our life, a vision of our heart, a vision of our mind, worked through the hands of Jesus in love and in grace and in mercy and in power to be shaped and formed and sent out and beautiful and powerful and impactful. And yes, we will have some work to do, but ultimately that vision comes to pass not by what we've done nor by how hard we try, but ultimately by just the sheer grace and mercy of God at work in our actions at work in our dedication, at work in, in just the, the actions that we're doing, right? The, the efforts we're putting in to try and get there. That's ultimately the vision we're inviting all of us here to think about today. And again, we're going to go through a period where we're going we're gonna to talk about this in your individual life, not just the context of our church, but I want you to start building and capturing that idea, when we talk about vision, I want you to start thinking about, man, what does God want to produce in my future, in the future of others, right? That's the vision we're thinking about today. We're going to start in John, uh, sorry, I was way off, in Jeremiah 29, 4 through 7. Here's the thing. A lot of you guys have heard me talk about this text before. Uh, this is not going to be that same sermon. If you want to listen to that sermon uh, that we've done in the past, it's, it's somewhere In podcast somewhere. We're going to tackle this a little bit different than we have in the past today. We're going to take a look at how God is building out a vision for his people uh, through this text. And the ultimate kind of idea, your take home that I want for you to, to grab onto today, to take home is this, that the hope of the gospel naturally invites us to have vision for ourselves, others, and our community. That's what I want you to grab onto That's what, if you take anything home today, that's what I want you to take home. That the hope of the gospel invites us to have vision for ourselves, others, and our communities. It naturally invites us into that. We're going to explore that a little bit today as we keep working through. Now, we're going to jump into Jeremiah, and there's two ideas that we're going to use to kind of tease out. Uh, this idea, we're going to examine how this text invites us through the gospel to have hope or vision, I should say, for ourself and then likewise vision for our city. OK, vision for ourself and then vision for our city. And so I want you to tag along here as we jump into this text. Now, Jeremiah 4. Jeremiah 29, verse 4 starts like this. This is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says to all exiles I deported from Jerusalem to Babylon. So this is where we got to start because this builds kind of the context for where we are. Some of you guys have heard this before. You know this text. You know the backstory. This was not a section of Jeremiah uh, that was written in the most positive of times. This was written during uh, the Babylonian exile when all of the Hebrew uh, upper middle class, the aristocracy was taken from Jerusalem where they had lived and marched 1,500 miles uh, over to Babylon where they were put into basically like ethnic ghettos uh, and kind of were unable to live as freely as they had hoped to live. There were some restrictions placed on their ability to worship, some restrictions placed on their ability to go certain places. And they did have some freedoms as well. But ultimately, this was a dramatically different life than they had had in uh, in Jerusalem. And here's what's happening here. From here, you would think um, that they would have learned some lessons here because this didn't happen by accident. Rather... This happened because over the course of several hundred years at this point, prophets had been telling Jerusalem and telling the Hebrew people, things are going to go bad if you keep on disobeying God. Things are going to go bad if you keep on pursuing things that aren't God. And yet they kept pursuing those things. And from there, Right. Certain prophets came in and said, "Okay, well, well, the end to this is coming because there's going to come someone and and they're going to take us and they're going to basically ransack our home. And and this is going to kind of all fall apart. And all of a sudden, one day Babylon shows up on the door and they decide, I think what belongs to you now is going to belong to me. In fact, I think you are going to now belong to me. And so then they just march them all up to Babylon and they, in essence, become a captive people. Right. This is the context that we're looking at a captive people being held prison in a new city. And Jeremiah, who was one of the prophets who had spent several years saying, man, a lot of hard stuff is coming to you, is now finally there writing. And and, and in Jeremiah 29 is finally saying, hey, I see where you're at. And this is what God has to say to all those who have been exiled from Jerusalem to Babylon. And you would think he said, you know he would say something like we're going to break free from this we're going to we're going to get out you think he would kind of be the visionary leader that's like hey here's the path forward and here's how we're going to revolutionize this thing and here's how it's all going to get better but that's not what he does he continues on Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Find wives for yourselves, then have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and daughters. Give your daughters to men in marriage so that they may have sons and daughters. Multiply there. Do not decrease. Pursue well-being, the well-being of the city I have deported you to. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for when it thrives, you will thrive. This is a radical departure from what most of us would see when we see a captive city that we're being held ransom radically different than what most of us would do because if most of us were in the situation where someone was holding us for all intents and purposes captive being an oppressor having a very you know uh, some of our freedoms taken away the automatic response for us would most naturally be i want to break out of this i want to find a way forward i want to get out of this situation and hear me there are certain situations where that's appropriate Right. I don't think things like abusive relationships, abusive marriages, these aren't the type of places where I think the gospel would say God is glorified through you staying in this situation. So I'm not saying that. But but in this situation where God has has disciplined his people. Again, God is shaping and forming his people. And as a result, a part of that shaping and a part of that forming is removing them from this place that they have called theirs for at this point several hundred years. And now he's saying, I'm going to have you here and I'm going to have you here 70 years. And it's going to be in essence a a, a kind of a prison environment. But in this, I'm going to shape you and I'm going to form you. And then he goes on to say, and while you're here and while I'm shaping you and while I'm forming you, I want you to serve this city. I want you to build this city. I want you to ingrain yourself into this city. And here's what's important here. He's not saying, oh, this will always be what it looks like. Discipline will, only be, uh, will be the only thing that you have for your life. I'll, you'll only feel the weight of my hand. No, no, no. He doesn't stop there because right after verse 7, uh, at going down to <clears throat> verse 10, he says this, for this is what the Lord says. When 70 years for Babylon are complete, I will attend to you and will confirm my promise concerning you to restore you to this place. For I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. You will call to me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. I will be found by you. This is the Lord's Lord's declaration. And I will restore the fort, your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and places where I banished you. This is the Lord's declaration. I will restore you to the place from which I deported you. So first off, I want to make a quick side note. A lot of us have like Jeremiah 29, 11 somewhere on our wall. Or maybe you grew up with that being some type of life verse, right? And you know all the good plans that God has for you. Now I'm just pointing at the, at the image here, so I'm going to move back this way, right? But, but we've had that as a light verse, and we love it, and we're like, oh, man, yeah, he got we know the, God, the, the plans that God has for us. But I want to make note that these are connected to deep moments of discipline in God's hand. These are connected to deep moments of shaping and forming in God's hand that, hear me, often from a practical perspective and from an earthly perspective won't look like good plans, Who would have ever thought that a good plan was to uproot the aristocracy and upper class of an entire civilization and move them over to a captive city and say, here, I want you to build this city, invest in this city, love this city, have a vision for this city, and that's where I want you to be. That seems so backwards. Just understand that sometimes God's good plans for you involve his loving discipline for you, and that's not a bad plan. That's a good plan from a good God who has a higher way of thinking than you do and has a better vision for your life than you do. But I do want to stop here, pause for a second, and make mention, he may have a better vision of your life than you do, but he doesn't doesn't dissuade you from having a vision for your life. He doesn't dissuade you from having a vision of your future. While he's there and, and quite certainly forming and shaping the Israelite people here in Babylon, he also gives them a vision for where they're going to go. He also tells them, hey, you may be here and it may be 70 years while you're oppressed and it may be 70 years while you're, you're captive. I want you to give yourself there, but I promise you after 70 years, I will respond. I will confirm the promises. I will restore you. You will call me and I will answer. So hear, hear what I'm saying here. Hear what I'm saying here. God gives them a destination for where their life is gonna go. Yes, you're going to be here. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be challenging. But ultimately, here is where your life is headed. While you're waiting there, while we're making our way there, verse 4 through 7, here's what I want you to be doing. Give yourself to this city. Be reliant on me, dependent on me, trust in me. I want to say something to you, and I want you to hear me. And so if you're not paying attention to me, that's okay. But I do want you to pay attention to this. Look at me for a second. Only when you know where you're going will you really know what you're doing now. I want you to listen to what I just said. Only when you know where you're going will you really know what you're doing now. Because if they didn't know where they were going, they would have never known what to do now. You see, if the Israelites had never known in 70 years God is going to restore us, he's going to affirm us, he's going to answer, he's going to restore, they would have never known so right now. We're meant to give ourselves and to sacrifice and to love and to build up even this city that we consider a prison. Without knowing where they were going, they would have never known what they were supposed to do right now. And this is the vision that God, I think, invites us in for our own personal lives as well. In the gospel, we're not invited to say, well, I've been forgiven for sin, and now I don't know what I should do now. I'm going to try to live the best that I can. Hear me, that's what a lot of us think is happening right now. I lovingly want to remind you and I lovingly want to tell you, as a pastor who works with people a lot and hears people's ideas of the gospel a lot, there's several of us in here that think God came, died in the person of Jesus, resurrected, and all that really mattered was his death. Because in his death, he forgave us of our sins, and now we're out trying to just not sin anymore. And to be godly. And that's about the extent to which we view the beauty of our Christian life. And it's like we've completely put blinders on sometimes, myself included, that the majority of the New Testament, they're celebrating not just Christ's death, but maybe most certainly, and maybe more so, his resurrection. They're maybe more so celebrating, yes, he died. Like a lamb slain for the forgiveness of sins, he died, but he resurrected as the victorious king over sin and death. Why is that part what they keep coming back to even more than his death? Because it's in his resurrection that the promise and vision of a future comes out. It's in his resurrection that Jesus now says, hey, you encounter troubles, but I've overcome them. How? Because you're just going to wipe them away? No, because I'm going to let them overcome me. And in my death and in my resurrection, we'll all have victory over this. And in that resurrection, I will forge a future that is more beautiful than you can imagine. But it's in my resurrection, in my victory, in my overcoming these things that that actually happens. Friends, your life is on the path to a destination. I want you to hear what I'm saying. Your life is on the path to a destination. You're not meandering and wandering around just simply going, I don't want to sin anymore because I want to be more like God. You are headed toward a victory. You are headed toward an ultimate place of restoration. You are headed toward the victory of God, not because you are going to do so many great things all the time, but rather because the resurrection of Jesus promises God is one. That's the destination. That will ultimately be where you go that will ultimately be what happens. All the pain that has fractured your heart will ultimately be mended. All of the sorrow will ultimately be relieved, right? Like like it will all happen there. You have to be sure this is where I'm going. This is where we're at. This is, I mean, this is where we're headed to in order to answer the question, well, then what do we do right now? That's where I'm going. What do I do right now? Friend, if you don't remember that that's where you're going, where you are right now is probably going to look like pursuing a bunch of little things that you think will bring you life, but in the end amount to nothing. They will look more like the book of Ecclesiastes and the book of Acts, because it will look more like you just pursuing everything that refuses to bring life, because you're searching and searching and searching instead of knowing the destination, advancing the mission, and inviting others to participate in it the way Acts does, right? But if you don't know where you're going, you won't know what you're doing now. You have to remember, this is where I'm going. The gospel has given me hope. It's given me a vision for the future. It's given me a vision for my life. It's given me a vision of me restored and me renewed and me forgiven and me made whole. So what do I do now? So what do I do now? In a group even just this size, it's too hard for me to answer that question for you. It's too hard for me to answer the question for you because here's the thing. In this room right now, there's people that are dealing with, like, relational issues. There's people that are dealing with some traumatic events in their life. There's some people that are dealing with just disappointment from life. Uh, There's some people that are dealing with just disenchantment from certain things, right? Like, man, some of this was, you know, what I hoped it would be, and then it didn't amount to that. Some of you are overall feeling pretty good. And if I'm being honest, and if you're being honest with me, you're kind of apathetic toward this whole thing. Because you're like, I'm doing all right. I'm doing pretty good. I can't list off every single thing that's happening here. What I can do is ask you, friend, do you have a vision for where you are going? Have you identified the parts of your heart that are right now kind of aching and asking God, please heal this, please restore this, please make this new, please change this, please help me be more like this, please help me be more like that, please, please help me grow in this area, help me become more like you in this area and ultimately allow me to to impact the world in this way, to, to change hearts in this way, help me contribute to others being impacted like this, like that. Only you know the answer to those questions. But you'll only be able to start formulating those responses, formulating those answers when you're confident. Look at me for a second. It will only happen when you're confident, when you see where God wants to take you, where God ultimately wants to take you in restoration and in redemption And renewal, that's his goal for you. That's his destination for you. And here's the thing, fam. He will get there whether you try today or not. You know why? Because he's good. And because he's gracious. And because he loves you even more than you love yourself. But the only way we start to build that frame of this is what I need to be doing, this is where I need to be going, is when we start to have that vision of our future that's linked to what he's done in the gospel. Hear me this is what I wanna do right now. Again, I can't answer these questions for you, but we want you to answer those questions. And so on your chair, or at least around you, there's actually a little packet, a little foldable sheet, and it actually just says five things that I want God to do in my life. Here's the thing, you ain't come thinking about this today, but I want you to think about it now. Uh, we're not, it's not gonna be weird, we're gonna turn on some music in the background, all right, you're not going to be sitting here in silence. You may hear a kid cry. I can't promise you that's not going to happen because, I mean, that happens. But what I want you to do is having thought about this and having thought about your life, I want you to take some time to fill that out. I want you to just list out five things that you want to see God do in your life. There may be a pin around you. If you need a pin, raise your hand. Uh, we'll get you a pin. But um, take some time in the next few minutes to just write down what, I want, what do I want God to see do in my life. And we'll be jump back in to handle our second point right after that. All right. You may not have all of them done. That's okay. You don't have to turn that paper into me or anything like that. That's yours to take. So if you want to go home and think about it more, feel free to think about it more. But I do want to do want to jump back in here for the sake of time. So so what have we covered so far? We've covered the fact that God invites us to have a vision for our lives. He invites us to know where we're going. And in that, he invites us to to really to, to give of ourselves as we're getting there, right? Like, Like to actually start thinking about the areas that God wants to heal, that God wants to restore, that God wants to bring life to. And the thing is, we're probably going to start giving of ourselves in in a way in that area. We're going to have to actually labor for it. Maybe you're going to end up going to therapy. Maybe you're going to need some pastoral Christian counseling. Maybe uh, you're going to need to go to some marriage counseling. Maybe uh, you're just going to have to start working out what it looks like to be a, a, one of the things I wrote down is I want to be a better father. I don't think I'm a bad dad, but, man, I want to be the type of father where my kids walk away in the future and think to themselves, man, my dad gave me a beautiful reflection of the father. Like, I want that so bad. Guess what? Tomorrow, when I'm tempted to sit on the couch and watch a soccer game, that's going to be the moment that I'm called to the action part, right? That's going to be the moment that I'm called to think about, man, what does it look like to be a good dad right now? Um God, that's when it's going to happen. And so we're called, as we get a vision for our lives, to think about how we're going to get there, what God wants to do in our lives in order to get us there. But I do want to make a mention of another vision that God invites the Hebrew people to have as they're in this exilic period, this exile time. Going back to 4 through 7, starting in verse 5, he says, Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Find wives for yourselves and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and your daughters. Uh, and Sorry, for your sons and give your daughters to men in marriage so that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there, do not decrease. And then verse 7 is powerful. It's important. I want you to take note of it. Pursue the well-being of the city I have deported you to. Pray for, to the Lord on its behalf, for when it thrives, you will thrive. That word well-being, if you could leave that verse up there, it's going to be verse 7, the part with well-being in it. That verse right there, that, that word, well-being, is not, it's often translated peace. Um, but it's so much more than just the idea of peace. It's the Hebrew word shalom. And shalom is not just the idea of peace, so that's what it's translated as. Most often, it's kind of the idea of fullness or the idea of wholeness. To have shalom or to give shalom is the idea of making something as close to whole as possible on this side of eternity. On this side of of what it looks like to to be with God, on on this side in creation, what does it look like to be as whole as possible, right, like on this side of eternity before we experience what true wholeness is going to always eternally feel like? And this is a powerful idea because, hear me, linked to the idea and the vision of what the Hebrew people's lives individually were meant to be like, was this vision for what Babylon was supposed to be like? linked to their vision for what it meant for for God to restore them was was this powerful vision of of them as this little city of God, these hands and these feet that were reaching out to the city around them and seeking that city to be as whole as possible on this side of eternity. Friend, I want you to, to, to hear me. I want you to hear me and I want you to think about what I'm saying. God's vision for your community is distinctly linked to your vision for you. God's vision for your community is distinctly linked with God's vision for you and with your vision for you. The things you wrote down on that paper, I want to encourage you with something. You're not the only one that hopes for those things. The struggles that you wrote down on that paper, you're not the only one that struggles with those things. The things that you have, that that dark feeling where you're starting to write it down and you're like, should I write this down in a different way? Like, I don't want to say it the way I thought it because the way I thought it sounds kind of bad. And if I like really wanted to put it in like a more politically correct way that was less shame-filled for That feeling, you're not the only one that wrestles with that feeling. And the vision that God invites us in for our lives, for what he wants to do in our lives, for how he wants to restore our lives is distinctly connected with the vision that he has for the community and the people around you because what he wants to do in them may start with what he wants to do in you. I want you to hear what I said again. What, what he wants to do in them may start with what he wants to do in you. The vision that he has to restore someone from something like, like addiction, uh, from something like, like anger, may start with how you start to engage peace and satisfaction and purity and wholeness in your own life, and then you act as this agent for reconciliation in the community that God has you. But hear me, it doesn't start with looking at them and going, oh man, well, well, I think you can maybe get there. I think that I can help you. It starts with you saying, God, I believe that you want to take me there. You've heard the, the idiom before. God, or no, we can't lead people where we haven't been. And, and that's a bit of what's happening here. The Israelites have been stripped of everything that made them comfortable. The Israelites have been stripped of everything that made them feel peaceful. The Israelites have been stripped of everything that they thought was going to satisfy. And now they're in a beautiful place where they're saying the only thing that brings me life is the one who's the author of life. And that's all I have to rely on. That's all I have to give because that's all I have. And that's exactly where God wants them to be in order to make an impact to the city around them. That's exactly where God wants them to be in order to impact the city around them. It's not going to be in Jerusalem where everything is comfortable, where disobedience is so freely chosen, where all of that stuff is is going on. and, And it's so easy to walk the other way where they have something to give to Babylon in order to see it become whole. It's when everything seems stripped away and the only thing they have left is what they're clinging to in God, that they're finally in the specific place for God to say, this is where I can use you to bless the city and community around you. Friend, your vision for your life is gonna be intimately connected to the vision you have for the people, the community, the city that's around you. And hear me, that's intricately connected to your vision for your life. They're interdependent. Without a vision for one, you won't have a vision for yourself. And without a vision for yourself, you won't have a vision for the city. Man, we're invited through the gospel, through this reality that God is doing something, that he's doing something powerful, that he's redeeming and he's restoring. And we're a part of that. We're on that journey with him. We're submitting to him. We're following him. We're failing, but he's picking us back up. And man, we're stumbling, but he straightens us out. It's in that specific position when we're just giving our hand, giving our lives into the hands of God, that he begins to shape and form your life, and then he begins to shape and form the lives of those around you. But friend, it will start with you specifically looking today and going, man, God, what do you want for me? What do you want for me? Friend, can I, can I, let me be honest with you. I want you to be excited today, and trust me, uh, I, I grew up in a Hispanic, Spanish Pentecostal church. And so the quietness of this room is throwing me off big time right now, <laughs> like super big time, but I'm trying to fight that. I'm trying to fight that. Uh, and, and here's why I'm trying to fight it. Because the ultimate point of today and what I'm saying is not for you to get excited to have a vision for this church or maybe even this city, though I think that is equally important. The point of today is that a lot of us in here see God as a judge, as an angry parent that disciplines and that that really just wants you to act right because a lot of us were told that we needed to listen because I said so when we were little. And, And yeah, that's really specific. And I mean that probably a little broader than I'm actually trying to say it, or than I'm saying it right now, that that we have maybe a little bit of a misconstrued idea of what God desires for us, of his vision for us, of actually what he He desires our lives to look like, not because he just wants us to shut up and obey, but because he sincerely and deeply loves you, friend. He has a vision for the world because he sincerely and deeply loves it. He has a vision for your community because he loves it. He has a vision for this city because he loves it. Out of a heart of love, John 3 talks about God sending his son into the world, not out of responsibility. Friend, I want you to feel the depth of what it means to have a a creator God who sees you and loves you and wants to bring life to you. And in that to say, God, show me, I'll follow Show me where, show me how. Friend, that's what he's inviting you into. Are you you going that way right now? Are you following saying, God, provide renewal in my life. Free me from addictions. Bring wholeness and satisfaction to my heart. Because if that's not what you're pursuing, you're missing, I think, one of the greatest actual offerings that the Christian life has to make us whole. If all you're thinking to yourself today is that, man, I'm forgiven because Jesus died. You're missing the major part of what it means to follow Jesus. And he loves you enough to send you into this weird elementary school and have this dude up here talking to you about it and saying, there's something more than that that you need to tap into. That's the point of today. Do you see your life is bigger than just being a set of do's and don'ts, a set of rights and wrongs, but a a life that is meant to be grafted into a story that's bigger than you, that gives you purpose and it gives you life and that provides the very things, right, that that you're searching for right now. Is that what you're actually doing in following this Jesus? If it's not, friend, I want to invite you in that today into a vision for your life into a vision for the community around you. And it's in those very spaces where you begin to go, man, I'm starting to write things down that I'm not sure I can do. I'm starting to say things like I have this, I have this random, y'all gonna, it's a little personal example. I had this belief in my head, right? That my whole cul-de-sac was gonna come to faith. And in my mind, you know, I thought I was going to do all of it. I was like, I'm going to go knock on each one of these doors, and I'm going to invite them over for a potluck, and I'm going to do all these things, and they're going to be sitting at the table, and I'm going to say something powerful. And then, like, when I say something powerful, it's going to wreck them, and then they're going to come to faith, and my whole cul-de-sac is going to be like that. That didn't happen not one time. (laughs) But hear me, if it doesn't spur on that sense of, like, man, this is going to be bigger than me, then, man, friend, that may not be what God's vision for your life is. Because we have a God that entered into the story of all humanity to make the world new again. That sounds crazy. It did as much in Paul's day when he was like, fam, when we talk about this, people think we're crazy. But what if that's, what if God's asking you to be a little crazy today? What if God's asking you to just have a little bit of a crazy vision of what your life could be, of where you could go, of what he could do, and then he just gently nudges you, follow, just come. Just come and in the, in the coming, in the following, I'll work it out. What if that's his deal for you today? What if that's his deal for the city today? What if when the vision starts for us and it starts to expand out, we start to go, man, the things that I actually want God to do in my life, he wants to do in someone else's life. What if you start to have that weird vision of like, I don't want my cul-de-sac to come to faith. I don't want my cul-de-sac to be redeemed. I don't want my cul-de-sac to be healed. I want my whole like apartment complex to be healed. Like, that's kind of wild. Apartment complexes in Texas are pretty big. <laughs> yeah. You know, they ain't like New York City. I got a building with like 19 floors, but there's like eight apartments on each one. There's like 19 buildings, right? Like that apartment complexes in Texas are pretty large. What would it look like for you to think, God through what you do in my life? I want you to do it in all 19 of these buildings because you ain't come for me. You came for all of us. And I want my vision for my life to tap into your vision for this community. This city, this street, this complex, this neighborhood. God use me. I'll follow. There were there were twelve men that Jesus randomly walked up to in the scriptures and just looked at them and said, "Hey, follow me." They didn't have a lot of script on what was going to happen, but when they did, a lot of stuff ended up going popping off. We'll say it like that. They started seeing miracles. They started seeing all kinds of crazy stuff, and at the end of it, they thought it was done because the person they followed was on a cross. And then they saw the craziest of it all. And three days later, he was like, what's up, y'all? He's like, oh, my God, <laughs> And he was like, exactly. Uh. <laughs> Friend, what if, what if that's what God's inviting you into today? That experience right there. What if that's what he wants for you? It's going to start with the things that you started writing down there. But if that's where it ends, again, you're losing out on so much of what God's doing He wants you to have a vision for what's going on around you. And he wants it to be a vision that's birthed out of what I think he wants to do in you. What you want healing for, what you want restoration for, what you want God to do in your life. He wants that to spur on a vision of what God wants to do in other people's lives that are around you. Maybe you don't know all the the ins and outs of your community, all the ins and outs of every need that's present. That's okay. You don't need that today. What you need is knowing what you're passionate about, what you hope for, and what you hope happens in your neighbor's life a year from now. That's what you need and that's enough. That is more than enough. In the hands of the one who takes a mustard seed and makes it you know, the greatest of all the trees in the garden. Now we all know that's, that's a very geographic specific statement because we all know they're bigger trees than a, than a mustard seed tree. But, but in the hands of the one that multiplies things, right? That's enough. On the other side of that paper, there's just five things that you want to see happen in your city or your community's lives. Not what you want to see happen in your life. We answered that. I want to just ask you, get the wheels turning. What do you want to see happen in Southeast Austin? What do you want to see happen in Dove Springs? That's my question. That's the question I'm answering. What do you want to see happen in Austin? What do you want to see happen in, um, you know, Easton Park, if that's where you live? Right? What do you want to see happen in those places? I totally didn't. I totally didn't. I was just picking out the most random neighborhood I could. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm not talking to you specifically. I promise. Um, You know, what do you want to see happen in your neighborhood, your community, your part of the city? And I want you to spend some time writing that down. And then we're going to go home and we're going to pray about that. Uh, Before we do that, we're going to come up, we're going to finish. But I want you to spend some time writing that down. Um, Please keep thinking about that. Again, maybe you don't call refuge home. Maybe you live in a completely different state. Maybe you're just visiting today. Man, great. What is your vision for that place? I think that's a great invitation and I think it's a great uh, extension of what kind of kind of teasing out what you the vision you have for your life. Um, The last thing I want to do is is I want to answer the question of like what our church then is doing with these ideas, because here's the thing. I want you to have a vision for your life. I want you specifically to have a vision for what your life looks like. I want you to be tapped into that and I want you to have a vision for what our city looks like, for what our community looks like. I want you to see those things. I want you to savor those things. I want you to be filled with a sense of hope about those things. But here's the thing. I don't want to just ask you to do it. I want us to do it together. Our elders want us to do it together. And so we as a church have a vision of what it would look like for our church to bless Southeast Austin and South Austin as a whole. Um, Over the course of the past, like maybe eight months or so, uh, to to be like really specific, I was in a class at DTS that was just working out this type of like, a vision type of idea. And I use the church for it because I'm already doing what I want. While some of the other people in my class are like, I don't know, I want to be a missionary or a pastor or a worship leader. And they're like, let's work out this packet so you can figure out, you know, like what you want to do in your life. I was like, I I know what I want to do in my life. I'm doing what I want to do in my life. I'm going to use this church as the example, right? So they're like, all right, that's fine, bro. So I start working on it. uh, And I start asking the Lord, God, what do you want to do in this church? Uh, And I started typing some stuff out, and and I was at Spokesman on St. Elma. I don't know if any of y'all know where that's out. And I had the carbonated Gatorade, uh, and so it wasn't beer that was influencing these feelings. I know that because it was carbonated Gatorade. Um, And as I was typing out uh, what I was working on, I just was overwhelmed by a sense of emotion of, like, this is what what our church is going to do. And I had this feeling, and I was like, yes, this is where we're going. I really do believe this is where we're going. So I took it to our elder meeting on Friday and, uh, with Jermaine and with Sean, who's at, at home with another COVID baby. Pray for all the COVID people. There's still like several COVID people right now. Uh, so be praying for them. Uh, and, and I presented it to them, and Sean was like, bro, it's kind of crazy, you know. Uh, but I was, you know, like probably like three months ago, I wrote almost this exact same idea out for our church. And then Jermaine was like, I got goosebumps. I didn't do that, but I got goosebumps, right? (laughs) Like, I didn't write that out like that, but I got goosebumps nonetheless right now. And so we all started coming together. We all started working out some of what our ideas were. And what was produced out of it was this idea of, like, Refuge Family Wellness Center. Now, here's the thing. We reserve the right to change the name. (laughs) But it's an idea of basically... Uh, a center in the heart of Southeast Austin that's focused on meeting the distinct needs of Southeast Austin. And that includes some areas like counseling. It includes childcare, family services, legal services, uh, you know, um, life skills classes, recovery services, ministry training. uh, And then there's a a really important couple of words down there and more. Um, Out of kind of this idea of where we're going, One of the things we started thinking about, we started thinking about what else could be there. And here's the thing, the what else could be there we understood is not going to come from the three brains that were sitting at that table that Friday. It wasn't going to be something that we all three thought. We can probably think of every single need that could possibly be present in this community and we can figure out a way to serve it because that ain't going to happen. You see, that and more is what connects what's on your paper to what's on this screen And more is what connects what you've been writing to what we've been writing. And more connects what God does in you to what God does in us, to what God does now in our community, to what God does in our city. Because these are things that a couple of us are passionate about, meaning me, Jermaine, Sean. But there are some things on here that you need to be passionate about. There are some things on here that only you're going to start a fire to. There are some things on here that only you have a vision for, for this part of the city. There are some things on here that only God has worked out and wrought out in your life. And what he needs in this effort and in this vision is not for us three as the elders of the church to say, how are we all going to do this? He needs you to say, God, what do you want to do in me? Because what you want to do in me, I hope you not doing them. And I will give my life, I will serve, I will, I will sacrifice, I will lay down my life knowing that the ultimate destination of my efforts is not just some, some weird arbitrary sacrifice, but is you actually using that in order to bring restoration, in order to bring hope, in order to bring wholeness, in me seeking the well-being, the shalom, the completeness of my part of the city. God, you do more with those efforts than I could ever do on my own. The end more is where you step in and say, I have a vision for that because it's not going to be us three. It's going to be those who are in this room saying, God, where do you want to use me? Because here's the thing. Right now we got like about one recovery program, like, like getting worked out, that we want to start uh, here in Southeast in Dove Springs. One recovery meeting. Other than that, there's a list of things there that we need to get started on a list of things there that we want to eventually build out and over the course of 15 to 20 years to have a very full-fledged, beautiful running programs that when we launch this thing 15 to 20 years from now, we take all these ministries that Refuge has teased out and Refuge has built out through your efforts, through your vision, through your sacrifice, and we start rolling them into this place that makes them accessible, not Sunday afternoons, but Monday through Saturday. We want to build a space in this community that doesn't, doesn't pour in and love the community on Sunday morning, but a place that serves the community from Monday to Saturday to where this group, these efforts, this vision doesn't stop blessing people here when we say amen at the end of this morning, but rather keeps pumping love into this community in order to seek the wholeness, the well-being, to make this community as complete as it possibly can be on this side of eternity. And we're gonna need more than just three minds. We're gonna need every mind that comes and calls this place home, friend. We're gonna need your passions and your vision and your efforts and the things you're excited about, the things you want to give yourself to, they're all going to be there. And an invitation today of saying, man, this is what it's going to be. Get involved. You might be asking yourself, how the heck are we going to do that? Don't worry, we're not trying to do it tomorrow. Uh, can you go to the next slide? We have overall a six-phase plan. That came up way lighter than I thought it was going to here, so don't mind that one. Um <laughs> It's six phases. The first one over here was basically just launch the church. Now, y'all know we launched during COVID. That phase was much harder to get done than we thought it was going to be. <laughs> much harder to get that phase done than most church plans that get sent down. Okay, but we got that done last year. August of last year, we got that done. Bam, we started. Next, yeah, that's right. No, that's worth clapping about. That's right we got that one done now we're on to foundation over the course of the next few years our goal is to build a foundation of community and a foundation of programs that start to move the ball down this line that start to move down the process move down and making progress here and so that's where over the course of the next few years if you have a vision for how you want to serve this community we want to say come come Because if we're building foundations here and you're starting to see, I want to serve like this. I want to see this happen. Man, we want to put resources behind you to start making it happen. We're there finally. uh, And that's what our goal is. And so we want you to be a part of that. And so if you want to start serving women in our community, 54% of the households in this community are single parent moms. Please start serving them. If that's your vision, please start serving them. Right? This community has one of the highest rates of crime in the entire community. If you're passionate about people that are in prison, reintegrating into society and culture, please come. We need that desperately. Not this church. This community needs that desperately. And so this is what our foundation process is going to be like. And we'll be here for a few years. And then we'll get into an assembly process where everything comes together. And then finally we'll get into a launching process. So that'll be years down the line. And then Uh, evaluation and reproduction is eventually what we're what we want to get to in planting churches that are equipped to meet these very needs in other cities across the country that are meant that are equipped to meet needs that are that are akin to what this community has single parenthood drug addiction high crime right we want to see not just these efforts live and die here but we want to send this type of vision of serving the community out to every place uh, that we can send it out for as long as we can go Uh, till I die until someone else dies to the person for after me dies, whatever the case is, right? As long as we can go, that's how, how long we wanna do it. And so we, we're here. And, and again, this is the process and we wanna invite you into it. Um, there's a quote that Mike Congdon uh, said to me when I was sharing this with him the other day. Uh, he said, he, he referenced the Bill Gates quote. It's the one right after that, Ian. Uh, where most people overestimate what they can do in one year and us- underestimate what they can do in 10 years. Uh, friend, don't don't overestimate what you can do in one year. Don't be like, oh, we couldn't do this or X, Y, and Z. Don't 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 put yourself in a position where you think that because we're over here talking about big things that you can't be a part of it. Friend, you with a group of other people dedicated to this idea and serving and giving of ourselves in ten years can do some powerful things, and we're hopeful that that's what's going to happen. Why? Not because we think we're the greatest, but because the gospel invites us to have hope for ourselves others and our city because the gospel and the work of Jesus, a powerful God at work in this community right now and in your life right now invites us to have hope like that. We want to invite you to have hope like that for you. And then we want to invite you to have hope like that with us for everyone else that calls this city home. And we believe God can do some extraordinarily powerful things over the course of the next several years here. Not again, just because that's what he does because he loves us. I already went way over on time, and I'm sorry about that. Usually ain't this long, but uh, Josh, I don't know what Josh is looking at me doing. He's, he's, he was trying to make me feel bad about myself. I'm not going to. Um, <laughs> let's pray, and then we're going to submit this time to God, and then, uh, and then we'll finish up the service. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for the vision of uh, a wellness center, of a family wellness center that serves this community and builds this community up. Father, we want to take serious your command to seek the wholeness, the completion, the well-being, the shalom of the place that we call home. And so spur in us a vision for this community, spur in us a vision for this city. But likewise, Father, let that be connected to a vision that we have for what you want to do in our lives, for how you want to remake us. Let us know that the story that we've been on, with all of its ups and downs, its high moments, its low moments, its moments of success, its moments of pain are not by mistake, but rather You work through them in order to produce a vessel that's equipped for the work of ministry through the gospel, redeeming all of those moments, redeeming a story so that in that story, we would now participate in your story of redeeming and restoring the world. Help us, Father. Help us to do that. Let us not underestimate what we can do in 10 years, but rather let us be filled with confidence that we are able to go together following a God that's at work, following a God uh, that desires to heal and desires to restore. And in that, we're free to have hope, to have a vision, knowing that you are finishing the work that you started, not us. And so let us place our lives in your hands, this church and our efforts in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. We hope this message encourages you and strengthens your faith.